In the season's premiere of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the win against Fiorentina. We'll be previewing the upcoming games against Benevento and Lazio, this week's Moji, Frog and Moratti, season preview, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, on Inter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another season of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavala Iruzzari, welcoming you back to, uh, it feels like we literally just stopped doing these, but it is a COVID year um, and everything is pretty intense uh, and Antonio Conte is even more intense or maybe I've just been exposed to him a little bit too much more than I'd like. But um, before I get to all of that, let's introduce our panelists, the Semprinter.com preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Hey, 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 very excited to be back. And in honor of our guest today, I'll say woof. We're, we're, yes, and and we have a dog joining us. Yes, we have a dog joining us. No, and that is Mr. William Beckman over there. Welcome, Will, to another season. Hello. Hope everyone enjoyed their 10 minutes of rest. We're straight back into it. And uh, I look forward to it. And we're also joined by a good friend from The Athletic in Houston, Mr. Mike Pialucci. The Athletic Dallas. We, we got Dallas, sorry. City's right here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God damn, that's like confusing Bergamo and Milan. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, Marvel. Do uh, but it is good to be back here. Good to be here with uh, a fellow athletic writer. And um, yeah, well, I have not enjoyed my 10 minutes of rest, given how the Mercato is shaping up. But here we are anyways. <laughs> Yeah, and we are joined by the Athletics, uh, Mr. James Horncastle, who churns out content content like no one else right now. Well done. How, you know, I got to say, I really like the Milan piece. It was really good. Oh, good. I mean, uh, that's lovely to hear, Nima. Uh, it would be great to do something like that with Inter, if only they'd return my calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the Inter and media are a, are, are, an, are a season of its own, and not, not just an episode. <laughs> right, uh, let's get to it. Uh, speaking of Inter and, and the media, um, last when last we left them... <laughs> they um they had just lost the Europa League final and they were going to have a, a new uh, they ha- sorry yeah max select that was the max allegri episode that was the max allegri <laughs> episode when 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 conte resigned because they wouldn't get him arturo vidal but now he has arturo vidal and unfortunately for us he also has alexander kolarov in a central defensive position in a central defender position um which we saw um for 90 minutes uh in against Fiorentina, um, I'm going to ask you, um, James. Starting things off, I mean, this we we know that Inter and, and all clubs are affected by COVID, uh, and financially, of course. Um, but I, I, I want to start right there at that at the, that meeting at the villa or Moratti's. It's supposed to be Moratti's villa. Uh, this tavolo di pace. This <laughs> this this these peace talks. In retrospect, that doesn't feel like it was a peace talk. It felt like it was it was the terms of surrender of everyone else in in favor of Antonio Conte. Um, do you agree with that, or how do you how do you look at that whole situation? Look, I think Conte uh, is a manager who does a lot of posturing, um, and in some respects, 
it doesn't surprise me that they get to that meeting and they come to a resolution, even though in the past we've seen him resign and kind of fall on his sword, as he did at Juventus, um, and leave his club in the lurch at the, loss, at the last possible uh, minute. Um, but I think, you know, often in the heat of the moment when we see him post-match um, venting, um, it, it's it's hard to see beyond that and uh, and appreciate that there is a logical, rational Antonio Conte behind it, and that if you sit him down, he will listen. Uh, and I think in that Villa Bellini context, there it was it was made very clear to him that look, we have gone above and beyond, not just in the transfer window. But, you know, in appointing you, you know, we still have Luciano Spalletti on our on our books at the moment, you know, and we're paying you a lot of money. Uh, we've just signed uh, Ashraf Hakimi for 40 million euros, uh, which is a deal no one found out about until after it's done, which, by the way, is very difficult to do in Italy. Um, and and we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and it's going to be very difficult to kind of see the change, have the change you want to see. So what do you want to do, Antonio? And yeah, I, I think that the, the clear thing with him was... Uh, I want Arturo Vidal and Alexander Kolarov. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, ultimately, those are deals that could be done for little or nothing in terms of fee. Um, and... I wouldn't say Conte is easy to satisfy because the reality is he's never satisfied. Um, but um, they could they could do those deals for him. Um, I, I think ultimately, let's not forget the context of that that meeting. It is Antonio. If you really think this is a terrible situation, then walk away. Um, but that means walking away from his contract. He's the highest paid coach in the league um you have to assess what kind of um damage it would do to his reputation to leave a club that has kind of bent over backwards for him and to to, to also uh, if you look at you know how Conte's left his last three club jobs resigned from Juventus two days into pre-season which they've never forgiven him for um complained throughout his second season at Chelsea to the point that um, yeah, that relationship soured um, and didn't end on the best of terms. It ended with them going to court and, you know, the, the court finding in favour of Conte and paying him out the, the remaining year of his contract. Um, finishing up the end the, after just one season at Inter when they've kind of done everything for him. I think, yeah, ultimately he had to take stock and say, that's not good for me to walk away, even with all these kind of problems that I've been complaining about all season, which are not just linked to the fact that I believe my squad is not deep enough to compete for the titles I want to compete for. You know, we're a leaky club. The comms team doesn't do a good enough job of protecting us from transfer rumours and all the gossip stories that ultimately distract us from getting, uh, getting results on a weekly basis. Uh, and then there's Inter's point of view, which is like, damn, we've just, you know, agreed to pay this guy for three years, a colossal salary. 
we can't sack him. You know, we're we, we, we've all, we're already paying at Luciano Spalletti and his staff for for the remaining what two years of the deal that we signed for him the year uh, just just the season before because in Spalletti's last season they extended his contract. So, uh, in in some respects. You know, it, it it came to the right it came to the right conclusion, I suppose. And you know, from what I've been told, and I, I think there's some self interest in, in the club kind of putting this out. But Zhang played a very key role in basically coming over, placating Conte, um, and just being a unifier there for 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 for, for, the, for the club, be it the the sporting side. Um, in terms of Marotta and Auxilio, and be it you know the coaching side, which is which is Conte. So it, I, I found the last couple of weeks very very interesting. In that nothing has really happened at Inter. No one said anything uh, aside from that Lukaku double paid spread that was in Gazeta. They haven't done any media. Um, and I, I texted you about that Nima the other day, and the reason why it was. <laughs> The reason why it stood out to me was because Inter are a club that always do media. They do, in some respects, too much media. Um, and and for this this radio silence to happen from really like the Europa League final and that summit in in uh, Villa Bellini um, to the start of the season, for them to do no real kind of media engagements at all. And not to have, you know, this time of year, as, 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 as all of you guys know, Inter have already been linked but with around 3,000 players. <laughs> and that hasn't happened this year. Um, so I get the impression that something has changed internally, um, which, you know, will placate Conte as much as the signings of Arturo Vidal and Alexander Kolarov. Yeah, it's um, it's always a fascinating club to follow. Yeah, it's never boring. Um, <laughs> well, it has, uh, Nima. This is the problem. It well, has. no, I don't. Well, it We've... depends. It would depends on your angle. I mean, Mattia Darmian and 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 that is 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 it's, it's not boring. It's 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 suicidal. Yeah, it makes no sense. They're boring, Nima. They're they they are boring <laughs> signings. Um, but you know that I think is. It's kind of what Conte wants. He wants kind of a under the radar, low profile Inter. I thought it was very interesting when they spoke. When was it? Uh, probably the eve of the the Fiorentina game. Him and Marotta spoke, and yeah. either of them mentioned the S word, Scudetto, yeah. which is what Conte has always wanted them. You know, they, they, he's never wanted them to say that, even though we all know that that's kind of what the objective is and is everything that Conte wants. I mean. The reason why he's so bitterly disappointed for the last third of last season was because he knew that they weren't going to win it and they could have won it. Um, mm. So, I don't know, this new line at Inter uh, is is quite interesting, even if it's quite boring from a neutral or fan point of view. Mm. Will, did you have a question for James? Yeah, I mean, first of all, we've, we've got that on record. Everyone's heard that, what James just said. The last two weeks have been interesting because nothing has happened that's 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 inter for you if you just need one line um no i was gonna i was gonna ask about um about pretty much what's been discussed so i might switch it to the pitch um obviously we inter have only played one game and uh, although it felt like it went on for about three years as a as a supporter watching it 
Uh, Juventus have played two. Everyone else has played two. Um, obviously, Inter have been have been told by Conte not to to talk him up too much or talk up their title chances too much in public. That's at least what we think is one of his key um, his key rules for this season, not to to sort of expose him to criticism. But given what we've seen uh, in that match against Fiorentina on Saturday, and given maybe the the trouble that Juventus had against Roma. Um, how do you see the state of play with admittedly a week left uh, in the transfer market? I mean, is, firstly, is it just those two or do Atalanta have a chance as well? Um, you know, do you think that this is a better chance than last season? Despite all the, despite Darmian and despite all of Nima's hatred for Kolarov, you know, do you think this is, could this be the year? <laughs> so I love Alexander Kolarov. Uh, from what? The so last... did I in 2015 when he was good. Ah, okay, okay, Nima. <laughs> like, I, 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 I saw this was a Twitter reaction uh, <laughs> after the game because, like, I, and to be honest, I think it was a reaction to a tweet I put out, which was, uh, I don't think I'm ready to see Arturo mm. Imagine England play yeah. the same time, <laughs> the same team, which I'm still not. Um, and the and, and the common kind of uh, Twitter response to that was, it's not 2015 anymore. Um, oh, if it was, that'd be great. And like, ultimately, like these are still two guys who uh, will win games for you against a Cagliari, against a Benevento, against a Spezia. And, and I mean, to be honest, I'm doing them a disservice because they, they they can do more than that. Um, I think you and I could beat Spezia in midfield, James. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, yeah, uh, to be honest, you haven't seen me on a football pitch, uh, Will, so uh, <laughs> uh, that, I, I take that as a massive compliment. When are we playing Spezia? Because I won't be coming on after that podcast. <laughs> I think I've just made a mistake. Um, but, like, uh, I like Kolarov because um, uh, usually when I go and uh, go to Milan to watch Inter or Milan, usually it, it was, it's been Inter recent years, I, st- I, I happen to stay in the same hotel as Roma, uh, last time when Roma and Inter played out a nil-nil last December, um, which was one of those classic Inter games where they create loads of chances um, and for some reason just don't take them. Um, but uh, Kolarov was in the lobby that day. I'm digressing here. This is a massive, like, weird, self-indulgent tangent. Um, <laughs> but he is a tall man. Like I, I had no idea how tall Alexander Kolarov. He's like he's a he's a unit, um, and uh, as 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 we all know, he can take a free kick as well, which um, you know is something that apparently Inter have signed Christian Eriksen for, and it's the only reason they've signed Christian Eriksen, which is another subplot to um, to well. Inter- enough audio Inter- on this podcast to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, uh, state of play. Uh, I think Juventus are vulnerable. Um, I've been burnt before saying that. Uh, I, you know, the last couple of seasons, you know, 2018-19, I picked Napoli um, for, for, for Sarri, and they came close, and ultimately I was wrong. Uh, last year, I picked Inter, um, and I was wrong. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, like you, you go against the house and the house always wins. Um, but, <laughs> but a second year of Conte guys, I mean, come on, like a second year of Conte, this, this, they, they, if they, if they 
sort of iron out some of the wrinkles that were in this team when well, not really in the team but just like in in their attitude and mentality in certain games then I think they I think they win just like I I don't get the pessimism I mean when when I mean I'm, I'm looking at the subs they brought on uh on on on, on Saturday night Alexis who you know, I mean he's been a completely different player since lockdown or even when he's just been fit for inter he's just been a he's been he's been very good uh vidal um uh Nyingalan, hakimi stefano sensi i mean i i, I always remember well, coming out of well, the the reason why he brought those players on is because his starting lineup was horrible. He, I mean, you played Ashley Young and Brozovic and Ericsson again. Like, we've watched this movie. Like, it doesn't work. I knew that was coming. The thing is, I don't sort of have a problem with the starting eleven. Right. I have a, I have a problem in that it needed correcting. Uh, that's fair. But at the same time, like just as Pilo was saying, look, I've had no preseason. I've got no friendlies. To experiment with stuff, um, we're going to have to do this whilst we're on the job, so to speak, in live games, proper games that mean something. Um, I don't really have a problem with that. And you know, when you do have five substitutes and um, you are facing Beppe Yakini as your opposite number, <laughs> um, ultimately things are going to come your way and i think that's kind of what happened with inter i mean i i personally was intrigued by that starting 11 i wanted to see what color offers was like as a kind of left-sided center back we've seen it occasionally at roma we've seen it occasionally at man city um i think the whole center back situation at inter is fascinating at the moment because it seems like the club is going in the direction that they're okay with having wing-back, centre-back cover, you know, in terms of essentially Kolarov can, in theory, do what D'Ambrosio does on the right-hand side. He just does it on the left. You know, he's a wing-back. He can play as a, as a, center, as a, as a right-sided centre-back. Um, you know, you've got Bastoni playing through the middle. That was curious for, you know, the fact that Skriniar was on the bench, even though before the game... Auxilio basically said, look, we're not selling him. And then Conte, after the game, said, well, I mean, enough offer. I don't know, <laughs> which is amazing. Piero Auxilio from now on is, I mean, he is Baghdad Bob. There's nothing he says that I believe that comes out of his mouth. It's clear that he he's sent by this club to go out and lie. This is Because that whole song and dance he did about... Uh, I mean, and it's not just now. The whole song and dance routine he did about not having money... And then the whole song and dance routine way back then when Matsari was sacked, when he, three days before Matsari was sacked, said, what, Matsari leaving? We need 11 Matsaris on the pitch. And then they sacked Matsari. So That's nothing him. this man says. I mean, it's just, he is their hatchet guy. He goes out and just says I whatever. I am curious want. to know what you guys all think of Auxilio. As a sporting director, I think he's brilliant. But I don't believe a word that comes out of his mouth in the me- when, when he talks to the media. It's it's and it's this is not just now. It's just everything that he's ever said. I mean, it's clear that he goes out there to the, to just tout the party line. Whether it's true or not is irrele- irrelevant to him. Uh, <laughs> but but that's what he does. And 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 it's you know the Skriniar thing and Kante thing is so obvious that he says what he 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 just says whatever he whatever is he's told to say. And and that's great, but uh, that that just hurts his credibility in the media. And I don't understand why they even send him out because we don't we can't believe a word that comes out of his mouth. 
Like that's that's how I view it. Um, I, I want to get Mo in, in in on this. You got a question for 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 James, and then also get talk, share your thoughts on uh, Pierre Auxilio. <laughs> yeah, uh, surprisingly, uh, far less pessimistic than you, Nima, about uh, the whole uh, Mercato and incomers and uh, the prospects for the season. But I wanted to go back to the pitch uh, uh, with uh, with you, James, and uh, following on with what Will had said and starting lineup, etc. We we've spoken extensively on this podcast about trying to fit um, Ericsson in the squad. Um, what's the deal? Why 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 is it? I mean, we say that he doesn't have uh, sufficient uh, defensive cover from the midfield and physicality, and uh, especially when Brozovic plays, etc. But then Tensi comes in and in just a few minutes does um, what essentially is you know uh, the perfect interpretation of that role so I, I i'm starting to really not not understand what's what's up with ericsson is it a, is it a matter of the midfield module is it uh, where he's deployed the role that he's required to play is his uh, l- last year uh, of malaise at tottenham uh, something more symptomatic or symptomatic of something more uh, like a deeper line problem with him as a, and his development as a player what are what are we supposed to do with this Ericsson situation? <laughs> well, look, I mean, Ericsson is supposed to be the finished article, right? I mean, he fits in with what Nima was saying about, you know, Vidal, Kolarov. You know, you're signing someone who you know what you're going to get. Um, the curious thing about Ericsson is uh, when you have a manager who plays this way, why are you signing that player? Um, because I spoke to uh, an agent of a player who is strongly linked with with Inter in January. They were very keen on signing uh, uh, him. And he ended up basically taking his player to another club because he didn't didn't think that the number 10 position at Inter exists um, and thought that his client would have all the problems that Christian Eriksen is having now, um, which is he's not necessarily a fish out of water, but he's not playing well either. And I I think one of the reasons for that is if, if you watch... If you watch Inter, both Lautaro and Lukaku like to come short um, to involve themselves in Inter's build-up play from the back. They like to combine. And in that scenario, I think often uh, they are in the zones, the areas of the pitch where Christian Eriksen would usually like to basically be picking up the ball and dictating the play. Um, And... It just hasn't happened for him. You know, he's had a couple of good games. Ludogorets, Samp, um, those are the ones that I can kind of remember where you think, wow, okay, this is really clicking for him. But I just don't think this works for Inter. Um, I like it when they have, you know, Brozovic in midfield. Um, You know, my favorite kind of midfield that they had last year was Sensi for the first, what, two months of the season before he got injured in the Debbie d'Italia um, was Inter's best player in my opinion and then pretty much from what October till December it was the Lukaku Lautaro show and they were never able to get Sensi fit on a regular basis uh, again um, so it doesn't really surprise me that when Sensi comes back he just he just has a natural affinity in this system and with these players. Um, but, you know, 
I don't know what they do with Ericsson. I really don't. I, mean, I like uh, for me, in some respects, he has to play. It's an either or with Lautaro. You know, either he plays with Lukaku um, and that's it. But the thing is, you know, we all know that the alternative for up front is Alexis. You know, Alexis is the guy who's going to play instead of Lautaro or instead of Lukaku. Um, so I don't get it. Yeah, you want the most out of uh, you want the most out of Lukaku. You need to have a second striker next to him, mm. uh, even if he's staying with a uh, like not a second striker, but like a, a one behind him and an Ericsson. You don't get the best out of uh, Romulo. He needs he needs someone no, to play off. Like it's amazing. Said, yeah. Because now you've got now you've got Kolarov who can bang it in from free kicks. You you just don't need Ericsson. And like, I mean the, the 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 it's interesting because at the moment you know obviously what there's a week to go until the end of the transfer window and there's still you know I, I had we've had some kind of chatter today about Inter being interested or in talks with a uh, with another midfield player. Um, and I look at the midfield, and I'm like, why, why do they need another midfield player? They've got so many. Um, you know, is it just because they're thinking about shipping out Vecino and they're going to bring this other guy in? But, like, um, for, for, for me, I just, I, it, it, it doesn't work. And, and that's, why, that's why, you know, as much as Nima was, uh, you were talking about the, the starting 11, I, I did want to see... Um, what Conte has been working on for the last three weeks and how this is going to work. And ultimately, aside from, you know, Ericsson, what, nicking the ball over the top for Lautaro's second goal, which is all about Lautaro really basically holding off his man and being strong. Uh, I think Amrabat knocked him to the ground. He got himself up, still managed to score. Aside from that, what what did Ericsson really contribute in that game? It's... Mm. little or nothing uh, Mike did you have a question for uh, James I did um, so the the irony of all of how much Antonio Conte loves experience is that the, the guy in the back line this weekend the only one who didn't look out of place even though he's playing a new position was Alessandro Pastoni the 21 year old and my question is is you know just the rise that this guy has had over the last calendar year um, really has come out of nowhere. And it's gotten to the point now where I think there are some bigger picture questions that I have in mind. And one of which is, as we're staring down the barrel, not just of next summer's European championships, but of a world cup coming up um, based on what you've seen of him both so far. And then just the potential he obviously has with you know his size, his touch, his defending, all of it. Where do you put him in sort of the the pile of potential center backs who could be protagonists at that next World Cup? I'm even not even just talking about maybe necessarily the players his age, but even you know more established guys like Romagnoli who are several years older. Um, he's a piece that's going to be somewhere in Italy's future. But how? What do you think the ceiling is, and do you think he could be somebody who evolves into one of their starting center backs sooner than later? So, I think he's great. Um... For a number of reasons, um, I, I, you know, I mean, let's not forget what Inter paid for him, which was what close to, if not in excess of 30 million euro, and he had played a handful of games for the first. Wasn't there wasn't there some accounting tricks with that though, where they sent some other players back to to lower the figure or something to that effect? It's Italy. Yeah, it's Italy. I mean, uh, <laughs> this, this 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 is what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they've they've sent a few players. Um, 
Atlantis Way, who we all know will become world beaters and um, make Inter look very silly um, in in the near future. But um, I think with Bastoni, uh, it's not easy to convince a coach like Antonio Conte to give you a shot. Uh, and he played regularly second half of last season. Um, particularly, I think, when Conte had a problem, which was he didn't trust Gadeen. And so he moved Skriniar uh, back over to his kind of natural side because he's a right-footed player, right-footed centre-back. Not that that worked out so well, final third of last season, but I think Bastoni being a left-footer, and we had a really good piece on our on our site, um, uh, which me and Mike work for, The Athletic, if you, if you want to... Subscribe if you haven't already. Exactly. <laughs> so there's, there's, a deal, there's a deal somewhere. I visited the Italian Football Federation in February, and they said that this guy was an absolute stud for bringing the ball out the back and, uh, and key passes. Siri has, for some reason, just uh, decided to answer a question that I didn't ask Siri. So sorry about that. Um, but um, <laughs> but they, they really rate Bastoni within the Italian FA for this ability to basically... Um, uh, I was going to be, be a sensible Bonucci, I suppose, in, in, uh, in his ability to kind of break lines with his passes, um, to be bold enough to basically step up um, uh, and if, for example, um, your opponent's strikers are too preoccupied with, you know, the fullbacks, the other centre-backs around you, step into midfield and try and build the play. And he's done really well at that. But I also think, you know, second half against Fiorentina, he was he was just brilliant defensively um, at, at points. So I expect... Once De Vrij is fit, again, he'll go back to left, left centre-back. I don't think Kolarov is going to be playing there other than as an alternative. Um, and the other the other guy that the people in the Italian FA are really hot on is Pirola. And I thought it was very interesting to hear um, Conte speak about Pirola a bit in his first press conference of the season. Um, because... You know, in Italy's youth teams, Pirola has done very, very well. And I just wonder if with Skriniar's future still up for debate, uh, despite what Auxilio said. I know there's been all these links with Milenkovic and we know that Conte likes to have someone who's uh, sort of ready now, even though Milenkovic is still young. He's, what, 24, but he's probably played three seasons as a starter in, in Florence. I think Pirola comes into the uh, into the thinking uh, at least as a, as kind of a replacement for Renocchia. Um So yeah, I, I, I think in terms of like the hierarchy within the national team at the moment, obviously it's it's. Uh, I mean that's been quite curious to follow through qualifying because Benucci's been the mainstay, and then it's been like choosing who plays next to him. Romagnoli lost his place. Acerbi took took that place from him, and I think Acerbi deserved that on the basis of what he did last year at Lazio. He was pretty pretty magnificent um, up up until March when they all kind of collapsed for for various reasons. Um, I'm a little bit careful about basically saying this is going to be the centre back partnership that Italy will have over the over the next decade, and naming 
a bastoni because I've kind of done that before with Rugani. <laughs> uh, and that didn't work. You know, I mean, everyone, you know, in that, in the, in that kind of, um, you know, when, when Romagnoli came through at Roma and Rugani was playing every week at Empoli, it was like, wow, look, Italy but two amazing prospects at centre-back coming through. And, and Romagnoli's played pretty much every game since then. But, yeah, he captains Milan at the moment, but is he, is he really convincing uh, there? I call that the Ranocchia syndrome, because if you remember, Ranocchia was going to be the new Nesta, because he looked like Nesta, uh, <laughs> only that's where, the, that's where the comparisons end. He does not play like Alessandro Nesta. <laughs> yeah. no, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I do always think that Inter, in a way, failed Ranocchia as much as Ranocchia failed himself. That was, no, that was a situation where development wasn't happening. And so much of Milan with Romagnoli, it's, it's been so topsy-turvy, and that's what makes me cautiously optimistic maybe more than just cautiously optimistic about bastoni isn't just what he's doing now but it's that even that though this is pata enter there seems to be an actual infrastructure and you know culture to prioritize some development for the first time and god knows how long with young players at enter look i i I think certainly bastoni's had that structure around him atalanta and um within the italian football federation I haven't heard I haven't heard anyone from the Italian Football Federation speak so highly of a defender in a in a while um, than they do about Bastoni. Um, uh, and then I think the other great thing that he had was a year next to Bruno Alves at Parma. Um, Parma have done a great job of basically working the loan market the last couple of years. Kulusevsky last season, um, Bastoni this season. They'll probably get you know one of Colli or Traore from Atalanta because they're basically Palmer have just basically decided, you know what we're gonna we're gonna become like Atalanta's finishing school or we're just gonna we're gonna convince top players to pay forty million to you rather than to us for a player that has you know basically played every game for us, um, but yeah I I think. <laughs> And Inter, it's it's interesting because you know, uh, uh, as with Juventus, people will look at the fact that they've signed uh, Vidal, they brought back Perisic, now England's come back. Um, you know, they've got people who've been around the block like Lukaku. People forget how young Lukaku still is. They've got Handanovic, who is, uh, if not fifty, certainly talks like someone who's. <laughs> um, and people forget that there's people like Bastoni, Hakimi. Barella, um, Lautaro, still young. Um, uh, I tell you what, really, I felt really sorry, who I really felt sorry for on Saturday night, looking at the subs as they came on. So, you know, Vidal came on, Nyingaland came on, and I was like, oh, Gallia, Gallia Didi. <laughs> that feel, no, I, no, stop. He'll never live that down into it. It's like, with, when, when's Gallia's ch- uh, opportunity going to come? Uh, it's well, done. He ha- he's had it, but he's he misses open goals from a yard out. So, you know. <laughs> like, he, was, he, was su- he was super glued to the pitch in that run-in last year. Yeah, so and he, he was awful. His- <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, I suppose. Like, contrast um, opening uh, go a game of this season with opening game of last season, the Lecce game that we all get like super excited about because Fabio Liverani just is, yeah, just like please attack my team and score as many goals as you uh, as you possibly <laughs> uh, 
possibly desire. But like, I mean, Ranocchia started that game. Uh, Vecino started that game. Yeah, looking at the subs, they brought in Gagliardini, um, Politano, and Barella, who wasn't ready. The bench had Lazzaro on, who's obviously gone to Gladbach. Um, Federico Di Marco. Um, Benny as well. Um, Legend. Has Benny been replaced? Uh, yes. Padelli is the, th- is the third one. And Radu's. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Padelli. Jesus. I mean, that was a shocker for Inter when Handanovic got injured. Mm. Um, they're, they're deep. My God, Inter are deep. Asamoah started that game. Do you remember mm. him? Yes. Asamoah. Jesus. Mm. Mm. Um, I've got to hear a satisfying explanation for why he hasn't played when it's not like anybody at left back has played that well since he's been gone, but somehow he just, nobody will throw him near the pitch. Like, <laughs> nobody's explained this to me. Well, it's, uh, well, it was for a while a case of injuries, um, and then it became. I don't fancy this guy. Go get me an Ashley Young. And to be honest, I don't know what you guys make of Young. No, he's not. Again, Young is not young. Um, uh, But for me, he did much better than I expected him to do. For sure. But the problem is that that the alternative to that deal was to send Politano to Roma and get Spinazzola, which would have been an interest, which would have been a good decision. But we don't do good decisions when Antonio Conte is at Inter. We we go for the for the because because as Gab Marcotti always says, Italy is a this magical place where everyone is a talent until they're 30 and then they're ready to play. (laughs) And 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 it's it's a Conte, you know, he has his giocatori esperti hang up, and and Kolarov and Ashley Young are are part of that. I mean, if you remember the Politano thing, it was embarrassing. He was in Rome, he was in Milan, the other one was in Milan, yeah, and then all of a sudden, he had like, the scarf on, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He I mean, he had yeah. the training shirt on. Yeah. I, Welcome Politano back to Rome. Yeah, I, I bet you were. I, I was ex- excited to take Spinazzola off your hands because I really like that guy. And 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 then you know Antonio, I got conted again. So uh, <laughs> he, he contes me all the time. You know, this summer has been this one long Nima being conted by Conte all the time with Kumbulla and Tonali. Don't don't get me started. Um, anyway. <laughs> Well, so if you if you look at the season and and if you look at the city as a whole, I mean, who who do you predict from positions one to six uh, and Coppa Italia winner, it, Super Coppa and uh, Capo Canoniere, James? So I think Inter will win. Oh come on! <laughs> uh, um, you're just saying that because you're on our pod. You no, can't seriously. I, think. I said it last year. I kind of I just can't <laughs> is an exception. You, you can't be burned twice. <laughs> it can't possibly happen. <laughs> I think I think Conte is an exceptional manager. Um, you know how he, yeah. Why well, I, I, I think yes, how, no I, how he handles himself in the media is a, is a separate thing. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I think he's he's an outstanding, outstanding manager. Um, then I mean, I I I would say Juve. I mean, I'm quite excited by what I have seen from Juve. Even even against Roma, they didn't play very well. But I like the idea behind what they're trying to do there, um, and I think that could be good. Third, I think will be Atalanta. I think if either of the two teams above them have a have an off season, uh, I wouldn't rule Atalanta out for 
for doing something spectacular. For fourth, poor oh, man. I like what Milan have done. I really like what Milan have done in the window. Uh, I just think Zlatan is the glue that has brought that team together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, you speak to any of the players there, um, and they say that, particularly the, the young players, and they're almost all young players at Milan. Is he takes the pressure off them? So yeah, I think that's my top four. Oh Jesus, I forgot Napoli. What yeah. I think? Uh, Napoli are super dangerous. See, this is this is so hard. This is so hard. <laughs> I, I think that this is the hardest year to predict since we've done these predictions. Mm. I've yeah. literally, Roger, while you've been speaking, James, I've been doing it on my computer and I've swapped. I think every team from a different position to the one they had it in at the start five minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> like going along because I uh, forgot Napoli as well. <laughs> that, that's the thing. I, I watched Napoli uh, last week and this week, and um, Jesus, I mean, if they can keep Koulibaly. Um, I think there's no reason why that team can't contend. I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't see why they're not in contention. I mean, I look they're at their... my fa- they're my they're my number one candidate, uh, number one uh, threat to Juventus Scudetto title uh, is Napoli. Uh, not over Inter. Over oh Inter. yeah, oh yeah. There are too many question marks at Inter. There are way too many question marks at Inter. Uh, Napoli to me looks like a team. I mean, at this point of the season, when one week left of the Mercato, you look at the squad and then you look at what questions are being asked. And the questions being asked to Napoli is who's going to be a backup central defender and how are we going to who are we going to have as a fourth choice central midfielder that's a team that's in balance everything else is in balance and all the questions all the important questions have been answered at inter that central defense is far from finished and you don't know who's staying who's going you have uh, you 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 have uh, andrea pinamontis that's supposed to act as backup for lorenzo lukaku which is i don't mind that. i don't mind that well, I, I think that's that's ridiculous because he can't act as a backup to Romelu Lukaku. I mean, it's Andre, you know, he's got Raiola as his agent, and that's why he's earning 2.1 million euros a net, and that's brilliant. But for for him, but for Inter, and, and then you look at the wing backs, and then you say, okay, Hakimi's world class, but Ivan Perisic playing as a left on the left, he was, you know, that's 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 not a that's not a that's a big question mark. And then you have Darmian and Ashley Young as your backups. To me, there are way too many question marks in this team. To be to be contending. What does what does uh, go in order? Mo and Mike think. Um, I listen until Juventus loses. I'm not picking against Juventus. It's really just the way it's going to go. Smart, uh, smart man, Mike. He must <laughs> be athletic. This is yeah, that's right. why they hired me, right? Um, I mean, with, 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 with Inter, I feel on this show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I think with uh, with Inter though. I mean, I am with Nima that. I'm. I, I think Inter will finish second. I'm not ready to put Napoli above Inter, although I see why Nima be- believes that's possible. I do think there are a lot of questions. I'm. It, look, I, I I've maintained for a while that I think the highest ceiling that this club can have is if they genuinely committed to building around Eriksson in the midfield and not just saying we're going to tweak the formation to allow for a number ten, but actually giving him room to work, actually putting physical midfielders behind him, actually putting Ashraf Hakimi next to him, which is. I think partly how Sensi looked so good when he came in because Ericsson, you know, I mean, if you look at the numbers weighed in the Premier League, uh, that, that's a type of player Inter haven't had. But Antonio Conte is not going to do that. And as a result, I mean, I'm I'm honestly this season, I, I'd like to see them finish second. I'd like to see them get out of the group. I would like to see progress. And then I would like for the club when Antonio Conte doesn't get the Scudetto after hijacking the Mercato, the club to say, OK, let's 
find someone who as a manager who is truly in harmony with this bigger picture long term yeah no i uh i, I absolutely uh you, you know me Nima. like uh i uh i rarely believe <laughs> no no but i also rarely believe in uh in in the scudetto from the beginning yeah. but yeah. uh i think uh this is our year honestly i i'm all in I don't know. Okay. I don't know why. You, I don't see. I don't see what questions you're asking. I see a. a I see a, a midfield. I see a midfield uh, problem with Brozovic and Eriksen who can't play, and you don't know if Brozovic staying or going. I see if you want to, and the only way that you can use Christian Eriksen is if you have an Engolo Kante who runs for three people. But given that Antonio Conte burnt not not burnt the bridges with Chelsea, he nuked them with Chelsea. They're not going to give him anything for free. <laughs> I would be confident. Like uh, the midfield for me isn't the problem, right? Because like I, the I would be confident. The, the, the play uh I, I don't I like I honestly I, I see a lot of options I don't see a lot of problems I look, at, like, I look I, at our midfield and I think we're we're the we're the best midfield in the city by far by miles like the ability to bring on uh to bring on uh Vidal and Sensi off the bench when you need them the most I'm not even putting Nangolan and you know not, not even counting on Nangolan uh, finally having Gagliardini and Vecino out of the picture you know even if even if not on paper but in reality, they're they're out of the, out of the picture. This is this is amazing. This is a, a squad that's built on the foundations of last year, but improved in terms of in, in, in the areas where we were where we were, you know, suffering the most, which is depth, depth mm-hmm. and quality quality off the bench. And there's no denying that the quality that came off the bench this this last this past game, first of all, a transformed the the, the match, and b was miles my i mean these these should be our starters and eventually mm. they're going to be our starters but uh, yeah. and this is not 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 even counting that we're going to get uh, a kante esque player kante and dombele whoever you know and uh, fill in the blank but uh, yeah no i i understand what you're saying in that we don't have a formation but neither neither do, do juventus they don't have a midfield but napoli do but that's what i mean yeah, napoli do yeah but and, and they look good so much more quality good. we have yeah, but we have so much more quality and depth than uh, Napoli over uh, over 38 uh, matches. A and B, uh, uh, I think uh, fundamentally, uh, Conte is a smarter, wiser, more accomplished uh, manager than Gattuso is at the moment. Perhaps Gattuso Absolutely. in four or five years' time can uh, can become, you know, uh, a top top manager in his own right, which he might well become. But uh, well, what I would say to that is, um, if you look at um, Gattuso, you know, when he took over Napoli, they were what seventh, and mm-hmm. he won the cup. He performed extremely well in big games, but if you look at where Napoli ended up, they ended up seventh. Now, I think the vibe within the team is much better than it was last year. They've improved the team. I, I like the fact that Lozano is a new signing, Osimen is a new signing. Um, and that midfield of Fabian and Zielinski is exciting. But I don't think Napoli are, um, let's say, as ready to win the title now as they were in Sarri's final year. Mm. That was a title-winning team. And unfortunately, it came up against the Juventus side that was still at its peak, with world-class manager um, who just knows how to manage moments. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's really interesting, I suppose, and is a little bit of a non- an unknown about all the managers aside from Conte, although you can maybe 
say this about Conte too is managing the big moments. I look I look at I look at the competition. I don't know that about Pirlo, for example, at the moment. I don't know about it about it with Gattuso. I don't know about it with Gasparini. Um, the only one who has a proven track, the only guy who's won the league in the league is is Conte. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I was going to make this point before, but I remember coming out of the Derby d'Italia, the first one in Milan last season, when. Uh, Juventus won two 0 or two one. Dybala scored an amazing goal after like what fifteen minutes. Um, and I remember Conte after that game pointing out Juventus's bench, and he said something like "Dove si pesca si pesca bene." Where, <laughs> like, where, where you go, <laughs> you, 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 wherever you fish, there's good fishing to be done. And that you know, you you, you take off this play, you bring on Higuain. You take off that play, you bring on you Douglas Costa. You take off this play, you bring on Ramsey. You take off this play, you bring on Delict or Chiellini, whoever it was at the time. And now you look at Inter, my oh my! I mean, that 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 bench is as strong a bench as I've seen in Serie A for a long, long time. You know, like, and, and I, I get the kind of oh, Vidal and Maingla and I'm, what they. I don't. Were. I don't. For me. Nah. No, I'm I'm okay with them. It's it's like I understand that that's the kind of characters he wants, and he's wanted them for a long time. And 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 to me, that's that's a strategy change, and I'm okay with that. The Kolarov thing and the Perisic thing, and and the Eriksson and Brozovic issue, and then Skriniar. These are the things that really bug yeah. me. I mean, I don't think that's something that he has. Uh, I think what's really interesting about this is that uh, you know those guys would have gone if Bayern Munich. Had basically said, look, we're going to buy, we're going to take up the option to sign even Perisic. Um, I think they would still sell Rajna Ingolan if the price is right. Um, I don't think it's Conte basically saying, uh, bring those guys back. I want them back. I think it's just it's the it's 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 what the market is like at the moment. They can't get the money that they, they initially wanted for these players. There isn't an appetite to sign them on the wages that they've gotten for the fee that Inter commands. Um, uh, but I also kind of take the view that if you can keep these guys in this condensed season where you're going to be playing every three days and it's going to be attritional and you've, you could you could maybe kind of afford to keep them around for a year, please do that. And the other thing, like about the midfield, like I would settle for a midfield um, that started the season into last year. Like for me, that season had balance, it had penetration, it had invention in Sensi Brozovic and Barella. Barella, by the way, who since the Europa League started has been the best Italian midfield player mm. without question. He's gone to another level. Um, he's just been brilliant. So and now you're throwing in Vidal Nainga, and Nainggolan in that. I'm like, okay, well that's Ben Venga. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, I hope these. I mean, that's the thing. I don't. I hope Nainggolan stays, uh, and, and that's where I'm worried that I think that they will be forced to cash in on him. Uh, and uh, when they cash in on him, I, I I fear that the replacement will, you know, that, that he'll go back to Gagliardini again, and and that's where I'm, you know, well, that, that's what bothers me. Gagliardini right now is what like sixth, seventh in the in the pecking order. Like I, like if I'm Roberto Gagliardini, I'm 
phoning Giuseppe Rizzo, my agent, and saying, Giuseppe, there's a European Championship coming up in the summer. What am I going to do here? You know, I know Conte likes me, but I'm realistically, am I going to am I going to get the kind of game time that I need? Uh, and, and Giuseppe Rizzo would, if he's honest, say that the European Championships, you honestly think you've got a prayer to be part of that squad? <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I, I, but, yeah, I can't believe your career as an agent didn't never took off with advice <laughs> like that. I mean, I mean, look at that central midfield. Uh, where is Gagliardini going to carry the waters, the water to the training? I mean, what, what is he going to do? Barella, Sensi, Tonali. Uh, I mean, come on. He, he's, he's not, he's not, he's not, you know, come on. <laughs> the thing with Perisic, though, which is interesting, is just like, I remember, uh, you know, sort of going on tour with him to last year and he tried him, he tried him in the two up front mm-hmm. with, uh, when, who was it? Sam Willy Longo? <laughs> Something like that. God, uh, and was convinced after like the first friendly, it wasn't working. And like now as a, as a wing back, it's not as a wing back. It's kind of like what Juventus do, right? It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we shuffle across and he becomes a winger. He's not, he's not a wing back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I suppose the left side is is something that I look at. And th- I mean, it's always it's always in wide areas. Until they signed Hakimi, I've always looked at that right hand side and thought, Jesus, that's been a the fullback areas have been a problem for Inter since Mike on left. Mm. Um, with left back, uh, left wing back, I, th- I honestly think they're happy. They're happy with Young. They're happy with uh, Perisic. And Damian can play either side. He can yeah. play back. He can play either side. Mm. So, well, yeah. just just to, just to round up, like so. So you think Inter will win? Oh, God. Think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yes. So, so uh, you think you you think Inter will win the Scudetto? You thought? Did you say Juventus second or 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 did you say Atalanta second? I can't remember. Well, yeah, and then I I remember there's a team called Napoli. Okay. Uh, so uh, I, I I think I still think Juventus finished second because I think. They have depth, match winners off the bench. Dybala, mm. I mean, Dybala hasn't played yet. God knows yeah. what, uh, what they're going to be like when Dybala plays. Atalanta mm. uh, or Napoli third? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think it's. I think that's tough. I, I think my heart says Atalanta just because I think they've. I think that experience in the Champions League is going to really help them. I think. Mm. A, and the goals come easier to them. I know Napoli have just scored eight goals in two games, but goals come easier to, Nap- uh, to Atalanta than any other team in Serie A. And goals win games. Uh, mm. um, so let's say my top four is going to be Inter, Juventus, Atalanta, Napoli. Um, Milan, oh God, Milan fifth. Um, Milan fifth, sixth. Uh, oh God! I don't Roma. Wanna, well, yeah, but then again, Lazio have mm. more or less the same team as they did last year. Uh, I, I, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Like I, I agree with Will. I could shuffle those guys. I could shuffle the seven. Um, and the only thing would the only thing that would surprise me is, you know. Roma winning the title, Milan winning the title, uh, Lazio winning the title. I think mm. any of the any of the other four winning the mm. title, maybe mm. I'd be a bit surprised if 
Napoli and Atalanta won it, but I'm, it wouldn't shock me. No. But I, I think agree. That, that's 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 where I'm kind of looking at. It, 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 could there's going to be a strong. There's going to be a strong top four contender that finishes mm. seventh. Whatever happens. Yeah. So two teams are going to have rubbish seasons. <laughs> who Who do you think is going to win the Coppa Italia, and who do you think is going to win uh, become the capo cannoniere? <laughs> um. Well, Coppa Italia has really been between Juventus and Lazio, hasn't it, for the last mm. decade. Uh, I think... Apart from last season. Apart, apart from last season, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing. It's It's been three teams. It's been Napoli, Lazio and, and, and Juventus have won it for the last decade. I think Napoli do it again. Uh, mm. I think that's probably a, a reasonable call. I'd love to see Atlanta win something. Mm. Uh, um, but I think maybe Napoli do it just because of what we saw from them last season, not in winning the actual trophy itself, but they ran the gauntlet. They they knocked out the holders, Lazio, they knocked out Inter in the semifinals, they knocked out Juventus in their final. Uh, Capo Canoniere, uh, he should be an Atalanta player. Mm. Okay. He should be an Atalanta player. If, if it, For me, I would say Zapata. Mm. Who do you reckon is going to win the Supercoppa then? It's so hard at this moment in time. I, I'd probably say Napoli. Um, and that's, you know, I, I'm excited by what I've seen from Juventus. But I, I do think that if um, it was a very interesting test against Roma on, on Sunday night to see them come up against a team that actually attacks and has offensive weapons. So, yeah, Nap- Napoli, I suppose. Yeah. Well... Uh, James, we've we've really taken too much of your time. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I know you've got probably lots of stuff coming out. So I was thinking, do you want to plug something that's coming out? Uh, have you, like what 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 have you got coming out on the Athletic? I'm kind of spent after that Milan uh, <laughs> uh, epic. We've just had an interview with Palmer's uh, new owner, Carl Kraus, come out. But we're hoping to do something with Fiorentina um, and one of the tormentors of Inter. Um, uh, from the other night so but uh, an interview that we had fell through with one of their players who is uh, subject of some transfer speculation uh, mm-hmm. at the moment uh, as he has been pretty much every window for the last three windows uh, but we're trying to get the guy who uh, who played a lovely pass to him to score against Inter the other night so um I don't know. I can't guarantee you anything at the moment, Nima. It's just it's okay. the athletic, which is, Mike <laughs> says is uh, the greatest sports uh, site on the planet. <laughs> and if you're not a subscriber, you should subscribe because it keeps yes. an eye yes. under a roof. No, oh, you should subscribe. You should subscribe. Mainly, if you're into Serie A, generally, seriously now, James, what, you, what you've been doing there, I've said it to you privately, I say say it to you in public, I think it's amazing. It really is amazing. And keep up the amazing work. Um, on there, we try. Um, uh, if Inter would uh, like to with someone, um, that would be. Uh, I you know I like to go through the formal channels, um, but you know, uh, yeah, come on, Inter. Antonio Conte from you, James. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean the thing is like I I I weirdly did an interview with Conte. What is it? A few years ago, which was like oddly through like a sponsor, which was sure for men the deodorant. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, and he was charming. Conto is like utterly charming. Uh, we did like these uh, horrendous photos, me and him, like smiling in front of a whiteboard, uh, drawing up tactics before the FA Cup final. Um, but uh, but yeah, I really want to know, you know, the kind of stuff that Lequipe got out of him last year, which was, you know, sort of which sexual position you should assume on the before the game. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. I, I've, I've just found the picture that you were you were talking about. You, like you're giving him a lesson in uh, in how to draw arrows on a whiteboard. I was saying. Uh, I was telling him. I was looking into the future, saying. Um, uh, That's where Kolarov is going to play. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, wow. Well, if people want to follow you on Twitter, what's your handle? Uh, it's a complicated one. It's uh, at uh, James Horncastle, H-O-R-C-A-S-T-L-E. <laughs> They're like the uh, small town in Lincolnshire. Mm. Yeah. Thank you very much, James, for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you. Pleasure, pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Right, that was uh, our good friend James Horncastle, uh, who always takes time to to, to talk with us, and uh, we're very happy. Um, so let's uh, let's move on. I, I just quickly want to touch base on uh, on uh, this uh, on the game against Fiorentina because I think it kind of was a microcosm of why I don't think Inter will win uh, the Scudetto. Uh, I think they'll finish in the top four comfortably, but I don't think they'll win. Uh, but we'll, we're going to have, after the Mercato, uh, we're going to have a run-through of the Mercato based on how Inter have done. We're all going to give our ratings, and then we're also next week going to give our uh, our predictions for the season as well. Uh, I think with with so much uncertainty concerning the big teams, Juve and Inter and Milan, uh, etc., I think it's kind of hard to do a prediction right now, so therefore we won't. But for me, uh, the the issue is, is Brozovic and Eriksson. When they play together, the midfield gets overrun, and the only only way that Inter can use Eriksen is if N'Golo Kante is in the team. That's not going to happen. Or if they play Mazzari's favorite posi- uh, formation, 3-5-1-1. And, and I don't, and I, and, and I have no problems with that if, if it's Barella, v- Vidal, and Nainggolan behind Eriksen, because that's, <laughs> that, that, that's FC shithousery on a level that I would absolutely love. But uh, it, that's Conte. And then you have Eriksen, he can jog on the pitch and that's fine, but that's not going to happen. So, I, I, you know, and, and then I think Kolarov will hemorrhage goals uh, as ma- as many free kicks as he scores. I think there will be issues there, uh, and and you know, there's too many question marks for, for me defensively uh, as well. So, um, and I thought that was all on display against Fiorentina, uh, and and I and, and and Fiorentina were good, but they weren't that good, and Inter made them look that good, and it's it's a recurring theme with Antonio Conte since January with Brozovic and Eriksson, the way that the midfield gets overrun. We make teams look better than they are. And and this troubles me. And this troubles me when Eriksson is on the pitch. And I think he should be on the pitch, like Mike said. Um, so I, I'm keen to hear your thoughts just quickly before we move on. Uh, Mo, what did you make of the game? Like, what, what, I mean, you always find find the silver lining in every cloud. But if I'm if I were to ask you to be a little bit negative, what, what didn't you like and as opposed to what did you like the most? First of all, I didn't. I really didn't like Perisic. I thought Perisic was god awful. Um, I, I this isn't mm-hmm. his role. I, I, yes, he, he feels like he's unintegrated into the side. I think Young does an infinitely better job on the left flank. And I, I think uh, if it's a matter of uh, Conte trying to find balance uh, in the squad and trying to, you know, 
by playing young on the right side. Uh, but clearly, it was it was an experiment, uh, an, an ill-conceived experiment. So this is something I really didn't like, and I don't think we're going to see too much of it either. I think uh, young as our starting left wing back is fantastic. Uh, Lord knows what's going to happen with Alberto Carlos, but uh, you know, uh, we 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 between him and uh, between him and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly between him, Perisic and Kolarov, I think we we have uh, adequate cover on that role. But I think the biggest question, of course, is what what you've spoken about. You know, if we do, you get the best out of Eriksson, who's clearly the player with the most technical ability and talent on 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 your roster. What what do you do uh, to, to to get the most out of him, uh, knowing that Brozovic is probably <clears throat> your best uh, your best uh, tactical midfielder uh, at the back? So uh, I, honestly, I don't know. I think I think you play with the you play. I, I have to, I have a question I wanted to ask uh, to ask you guys earlier is why is it that Eric Ericsson can't interpret the sensory role. What, what is it about Ericsson's attributes that prevents him from from playing, from interpreting that? I mean, it's it's neither a ten or an eight, but that that role in between these two positions, uh, in the same way that that Sensi seems to do it so fluidly and and effortlessly. I, I just I don't know. And honestly, you know, we know that that Ericsson had been suffering over the last year or so in Tottenham under. A completely a, a system and a, and a module that was tailor made for him, etc. So I, I just I don't know what 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 the issue is here. But when I see Sensi on the pitch, uh, really filling that gap so so effortlessly, so uh, like uh, perfect perfectly suited for that position. I I just I don't know. I don't know what to think. Um, Mike, I think I'll let you answer that. <clears throat> I mean, I think it's twofold. I think. What Sensi can do that Christian Eriksen can't is Sensi can, you know, Sensi isn't as good of a passer as Eriksen. He's a very good one, but he can force the issue with his own movement. Sensi can dribble. Sensi can, and this isn't, uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe out there, but he can create with his own movement. And then as the defense starts collapsing into him, then he makes the pass. Eriksen can't do that. Um, Eriksen needs support around him. But what I think, you know, this is this is what we're dealing with here. It, it sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. This is. From the time Christian Eriksen started the Premier League to the day he left, he created more chances, more assists, scored more goals outside the box, and more free kick goals than anybody in England. And we can sit here, we can have a debate about is the English Premier League the best league in the world or not. But the bottom line is this guy was the best player in the league at all those things, was the best creative threat on a Champions League final side. If he can do that there, there is a way to do that here. But I think it does evolve more building around him. So the question is going to be, is the juice worth a squeeze? I think it is. I think he can take this side to another level. But mm. Sensi in the current system is able to work with a little less space. Um, he's able to dribble a little more. And that does make things easier for Conte, who likes to have those physical midfielders. I mean, it's worth noting, right? Like, set aside even what Ericsson is or isn't doing and, you know, how many goals or assists he is or isn't creating. When was the last time you've seen him take a shot outside the box when he's that good of, mm. of a striker from distance? He mm. doesn't because there's not space. And I think the other aspect of getting him to his best, and Conte is not going to do this, forget just technically tweaking what he's going to do. So much of what this guy does is all about subtleties and about understanding 
the players around him and about creating space for them and playing off of them, right? Harry Kane and him did it all the time in Tottenham. But you know why that happened? Because you got to get this guy 10, 12 matches with Lautaro, with Lukaku. Play them together. Let them understand how to work together. And when people sit here and go back to January and they say, well, he hasn't looked good. Well, okay. First of all, I think all of us know any player adapting to Italy from England. That's a big tactical switch. But you're talking about a guy who wasn't in the best form coming from England. Then he plays a few matches. The season stops. The season restarts, goes through Europe. And when they're in that European run, Conte sticks with what brought him there. And, you know, it's self-destruct against Sevilla. But whatever. He's going to go with the same lineup. Then there's no preseason to really integrate him in the way that you would like to. Because that was what everybody thought, right? Oh, he might look a little off in the first six months. But it's okay. Preseason next year, you get him a couple. Yeah adapt well he hasn't had those things and that's not to make excuses all the way because he should be better but i watched that first half and the people who thought that he was the worst player on the pitch i don't know what they're talking about because that guy still made passes other players can't make they weren't always going in but that's the familiarity aspect um you know to wrap this up for what my thoughts were from the game because i'm already joining on the one thing that i will say um is one and this is going to be the tension with conte hakimi needs to be out there but mm. Hakimi isn't, I mean, Conte flat out said after the game, he doesn't trust Hakimi's defending yet, which is highly predictable for Conte to say. And also highly predictable because <laughs> Ashraf Hakimi, anybody who watches Ashraf Hakimi knows he's basically Danny Alves, where he's so good going forward, you almost just you live with it. I do worry a lot about Hakimi on that right side. And if you're really going to ship out Screenyard, then Danilo D'Ambrosio behind him. That feels like we can sit here and talk about Kolarov on the left, and that's a problem, but Kolarov isn't going to start a lot on the left when, you know, DeVry is healthy and Bastoni's on the left. But we are probably getting a lot of Danilo D'Ambrosio on the right. And mm. I don't know if I trust him to do all that cover all year long. Mm. But the second and last thing I'll say this is about San Danilo, which is it cannot be said enough that he's a good, not great defender. He isn't great going forward. But I'll be damned. I don't think there's been an interplayer the last five years who has found his way into more critical moments and stepped up when somebody needed to step up. Than so that true. So true. So true. And it's true. remarkable because we can, the people who complain about him miss the point, which is that, you know, he's sometimes, you know, Conte loves his experience and he loves guys who, you know, what, what he believes that means is guys is that experience creates champions. Well, that isn't necessarily the case as we saw from Kolarov on the left, who just, doesn't look like he can do what they're asking to do. But on the right side, Danilo Dombroso hasn't won a damn thing in his career at Inter. But you know what? That guy's a champion. Because when something needs to happen, he makes it happen. And I will, for whatever, whatever we want to criticize about his play, the full package is more than the sum of its parts. And that's why I will always love having that guy in this club. Well, I think I think I think what you're saying there is kind of, you know, I agree with it to some to some extent. And it's not his fault that Inter have failed to be able to find a better option for him. You know, when, when, you know, he, he is what he is and he does, he always gives everything he has. And that's, you know, and, and he always, when it matters the most, he comes in clutch. And I think that's, that's, you know, that, that that's, you know, that's, that's not his fault. That's Inter's fault for not being able to, to elevate the level of the squad. And I think that's so much of the, you know, the issue with Gagliardini or the issue with Alexander Kolarov, right? Like, we all knew Gagliardini shouldn't be starting in a Europa League final. Everybody who watched this club knows that. But ultimately, and yes, he was terrible and he helped cost them that match. But guess what? He didn't put himself out there. He 
he was the one thrown into the team sheet by the manager. And so that's what mm. gets so frustrating with Conte. And this is my ultimate fear, right? We just spend so much time with James. And James is right. There is depth in a lot of areas. And while mm. Nima and I think are on the same page about having certain concerns, mm. in the bigger picture, it's not really about what they have or don't have that concerns me. It's that Conte will fall into a rut or a routine of predictability in important situations and throw all of that good sense out the window. That anybody who saw that's you know what was going to happen in Sevilla knew that you can't. I said it on the podcast after the semifinal match. Don't run that lineup out there again and don't play the same way. You'll get beat. It happened. My worry isn't about what Gagliardini can't do or what Kolarov can't do or what D'Ambrosio can't do. It's that Antonio Conte won't care and throw them out there and do the easy, safe thing as opposed to the harder work, which is maybe it will be rough for two months and I might lose some points more than I need to if I really figure out a way to build this around Ericsson like I should. But the payoff of that, of being unconventional and of trying something new, the upside would be so much higher. But I just don't think he's that guy. He's not an ideal. He's not an idea man. He's sort of a this is how things are going to work sort of guy. So I don't even blame D'Ambrosio. I don't blame Kolarov for being a 35-year-old who can't do what they ask him to do. I don't blame Gagliardini for being limited. I blame the manager and I blame the club. Mm, mm, good point. Good point. Situations they just shouldn't be in. Mm, for sure. For sure. Right. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, we're playing Benevento and Lazio. And, and to me, you know, Lazio is the tricky one. Benevento, although they, they came back good against Sampdoria and, and were 2-0 down and 1-3-2 uh, by former uh, two goals from former Inter Primavera player Luca Caldirola, who's had one hell of a career. Uh, interesting career uh, trajectory. So, um, I mean, I think we're all kind of agreeing that we're going to win that one. But the Lazio game is a tricky one. I think uh, they're looking good, and I think they're a team that will cause inter problems. Um, so I'm kind of I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking a three-one win against Benevento and a two-two draw against Lazio. Uh, just quickly, Mo, what are your two predictions? I'm uh, I'm guessing we'll win against uh, Benevento, and uh, you know what? It's the beginning of the season. I've still got a full tank of optimism. Let's go for three points. Against, uh... <laughs> love <laughs> it. Lazio. That's why we love you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, Will, uh, give yeah. us your 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 uh, predictions. Uh, no word of a lie, Nima. I wrote down exactly the same two scores really? for you during the first half of the podcast. Yeah, 3-1 against Benevento because uh, Inter doesn't look like a very clean sheet, happy team at the moment. And um, it's Benevento's first home game, so that makes sense. And I said 2 all against Lazio because, um, yeah, as you said, there were plenty of holes that a very well-oiled team like Lazio uh, could exploit um, at the Olympico. So I... I, I'm going to stick with them because um, they, they feel right to me. So four mm. points, I think. But uh, yeah, um, I would just like to um, endorse what uh, Mike said about D'Ambrosio because, you know, I don't think we've had a more clutch player at this club mm. in the last five years. For sure. So, For sure. you know, credit where it's due. So that was worth, it was important to underline that. Mm. Mike, predictions, where, where are you on this? I'll, I'll do the same thing as, as you and Will. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they get three Lazio. It really wouldn't. But that's only because I don't – the, the storyline for me over the next two matches, I just want to see what Conte is going to do. Like I don't think he's going to run the same midfield out there again. I think he'll probably want Sensi out there sooner than later. Does he trust Vidal soon? Does he get tired of Perisic? It's so hard in the early going to figure this out. And that's what's going to make this season so weird is that the fixtures are so compressed that – 
Conte probably is trying to decide what he wants to do and who he's going to trust. And he's going to have to do that very quickly and hope that it works very quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be down more points than it should be. But to play it safe, I'll, I'll say a draw at, uh, at Lazio. Mm. The, the difficult thing with these two games is that um, these are two games that are going to be played while the Mercato is still open. And so yeah. will that condition Conte's choices? You know, will he... Will he leave Eriksson out if an, if an offer comes in? Will he leave Brozovic out? Will he leave, you know, for instance, I would like to see Skriniar play at the Olympica rather than D'Ambrosio in centre-back. But if he's still <sighs> in negotiations with, with Spurs, then, you know, it could be that he he makes decisions not based on what would be the best in theory to win the match, but because of what the club is doing off the pitch. And that's never ideal. So My fear is is spelled Skriniar out, Armando Itzo in. And that has that is that is what keeps me awake at night. That's what gives me nightmares. Uh, and and I and I think it's going to happen. I honestly think okay. it's going to happen. And I'm not going to be happy because <laughs> Armando Itzo is to me is just right. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Like right, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something in the world of football heavily. Starting with the positivity, with his full tank of positivity, Mister Mystic Mo Nasser. He's, he works a lot. He's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this qualities. Uh, so honestly, I was going to say uh, D'Ambrosio, he was going to be my Marathi of the week because uh, because of all the things that you so uh, well put uh, really well together, uh, Mike. But uh, since uh, the D'Ambrosio card has been played, I, something that uh, I'm absolutely in love with, and that is uh, Inter's third kit for the second year in a row. I mean, last year's was an absolute gem. Mm. This year, uh, Nike have done an even better job. It's a throwback to probably the most fantastical, magical uh, Season uh, watching Inter uh, as a as a 17-year-old uh, boy or man, um, but uh, yeah, that that third kit uh, this year is just delicious. I I absolutely love it. So uh, that'll be uh, right after uh, Santo Danilo. It'll be my Marathi for the week. Right, let's move on to something a bit more comical. This week's frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckman. This week's frog is sort of an off-season frog. So it's a frog that covers the the few weeks uh, since we last recorded. Because um, take your pick. (laughs) Well, well, I thought there was only one contender. Um, So uh, I'm going to give this honour to Barcelona um, because they've given us some great entertainment over the last few weeks. Um, You know, whether it's Lionel Messi coming out and throwing everyone under the bus uh, when he didn't get his move, um, saying, you know, there's no project here. They're just trying to fill gaps, whether it's, you know, the the, the Luis Suarez case where they told him that he could sign for any club that wasn't on the list of clubs they'd given him. And then suddenly when they realized they'd left Atletico Madrid off that list, they changed the conditions with which they were going to let him go. Uh, and then they had uh, Messi. His Italian exam was pretty yeah. funny as well. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty <laughs> funny as well. Um, you know, the yeah, well, that was yeah. Um, and uh, then you've got the you know, Messi again coming out and saying you know, Barcelona have have treated you terribly. They've got the you know the fact that they they destabilised Lautaro for a few months, and then it turns out that they couldn't afford him. Who could have seen that coming? Uh, they've also got the vote of no confidence that's come from one of the board members. You've got Bartomeu, the president, who's been accused of corruption by the Catalan police, <laughs> having allegedly made 
you know, financial gains from deals that the club have done. Um, you know, we all love a bit of schadenfreude when it comes to Barcelona because we all have sure. a bee in our bonnet for, for whatever personal reason. Um, and it's just been great fun to uh, to watch them <laughs> imploding uh, in front of our eyes over the last few weeks. So uh, that's for yeah, all man. the Lautaro nonsense. And uh, yeah, so I, I, you're right, Nima. Luis Suarez's um, Italian exam would have been a great shout. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, it's still, you know, it doesn't, you know, if, if, if he was still going to Juventus, that would have made it even more funny. But um, I kind of feel like it's a sideshow at the moment. Yeah, no, it, it is a sideshow. <laughs> it's exactly it's, what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but that was right. great too. <laughs> For sure. And and Pantaleo Longo, the guy the guy over at Roma, the general <laughs> manager at Roma, who 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 didn't register Diavara as an under-22 player, and then against Telos Verona, leading to Roma losing all three points against them because of that clerical er- error resigning and is on his way to Hellas Verona. I mean, <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah that, I don't know. It's never boring in Calcio. Uh, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's Moji, which we presented by Mr. Mike Pielucci. Alexander Kolarov. <laughs> I, uh, I I probably could stop it there because I think we all agree. Uh, but, you know, for the sake of some elaboration, um, it's really only partly about him. I mean, he's 35. He's being put in a role that I don't think he really can handle. But, you know, end of the day, uh, he's getting thrown out there. Um, this I said it on Twitter last week, but this to me has this reminds me a lot of a, another transfer of a of a Serbian of a similar type, which is a Mihalovic yes. a very long time ago. Um Alexander Kolarov is going to add a lot in the dressing room. Alexander Kolarov can still whip some nasty free kicks in, but it's going to get dicey every time he's on the pitch. And the question is, how often is that going to happen? Um, I very much worry that this could be a scenario in which he's out there 25 times in a year, and that's going to cost some points. But there is one little shred of hope, and uh, I haven't wanted to cling too much to it, but then James started talking about it, which was Pirola. And a year ago... When I know my reaction, when Antonio Conte said, no, we are not loaning out Alessandro Bastoni, he needs to stay. And I'm thinking there's no way he will play a 20-year-old center back, loan him out and get minutes. Lo and behold, Alessandro Bastoni has been incredible. I don't want to put that sort of pressure on Lorenzo Pirola. But if Conte is leaving him here, it's probably for a reason. And so maybe the best case scenario is sort of, uh, a lower stakes version of Bastoni usurping Godin, which is Pirola isn't going to be a starter anytime soon. But what if he becomes that guy who gets trusted more as the backup center back or the backup left center back uh, enough to push Kolarov up to left wing back, which would create so many other problems. Don't get me wrong. Oh my but God. <laughs> that's its own horror show. Out of the frying uh, but, pan and into the fire. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but that is that is my one thing that I am watching is will Perola save uh, us from uh, Kolarov being asked to do things that Kolarov shouldn't be asked to do anymore? Mm, for sure. No, I I agree. I agree. Um, it was it was quite horrible to watch. Uh, and and the Skriniar situation is what it is. Uh, and and then. You know, there's so many to this. Too, it's not a good place to be in the in the last week of the Mercato. But as everyone I, knows, I'm good. Sorry, I'm just going to lose my mind if this Conte thing happens. Um, I'm just preparing anybody who wants to listen to the next podcast. I'm going to lose my mind if, if they actually if they get Armando Itzis instead of Milan Skinia. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. That, uh, it, uh, <laughs> even just Conte for Conte's sake, uh, mm. N'Golo Conte, I mean, not Antonio Conte. If they, even if this is all, if they sell a 25-year-old center back, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to wait for that because I, I I think that would that, that would, we'll, we'll take we'll take that debate next week whether or not it happens because it is Mercato time we'll be recording after the transfer window closes at 8 p.m. CET next week and until next week I'm your host Nima Tavali Ruzzari wishing you a good week uh, six points and sempre e solo forza Inter.